0: okay boys and girls sports fans and assorted waves and strays it's den here from diginomica and today we're talking with my good old buddy jarrett pazohanik about the wild west of hr implementations and before we get going jarrett let's have a disclaimer and that is is that anything that you say is what you think and others can do what they want with it, right? Pretty much.
1: (laughs) That's definitely fair. uh, Some of this is opinion, but a lot of it is based off uh, factual uh, information, working with customers and talking with customers.
0: Okay. So just to put this in context, I mean, you run, I think what must be one of the largest LinkedIn uh, communities around the HR topic. Um, Would you say that's right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I've spent quite a bit of time, and I've got two groups, and we're uh, closing in on forty-one thousand uh, people in those two groups. Um, I've I spend a couple, maybe half an hour each day going through, making sure that the content in there is only content, uh, no job ads, no you know spam, uh, stuff that's good for customers, and, and I find it uh, pretty interesting that uh, about. Fifteen thousand folks in that group, in those groups, represent customers. Um, they're not always very vocal on the group as far as chiming in when there's issues, but they're definitely lurking and reviewing. And I get a lot of uh, um, direct messages, whatever the LinkedIn version is, is of that asking me questions from uh, CIOs and line of business folks, and uh, it's 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 really really good.
0: Okay, so you, it's fair to say that that's a pretty active group. I mean, if you've got fifteen thousand out of forty-one thousand. You know, that's a fairly sizable percentage from a customer standpoint. Presumably the rest are, what are they, vendor types and SI types, those kind of people?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's people from SAP. It's people from SAP's competitors, since I try to keep it real in that group. Uh, there's I'm sure there's some competitive intel that they use against SAP. Um, there's <laughs> uh, um, a lot of consulting firms, a lot of independents. I mean, it, it's a mix. And one of the things is LinkedIn. You know, they they support the groups to a certain degree. Um, right. But there's not a lot of like advanced metrics and, and tools within those groups. So I, I think it's a bit of a, and I think a lot of people haven't effectively managed those groups. I don't think LinkedIn sees it as really a, a major area for them. But but for me and doing it the right way, and I'll give Bill Kudick a shout out. I really learned a lot of how to run these groups from how Bill Kudick used to run his HR technology group. Uh, right, and, right, uh, right.
0: Look, we're kind of off pace at the moment, but this is useful because. Um, I mean, LinkedIn is such a flipping roach motel, right? You know, you put loads of stuff in there. What the heck can you get out of it? I mean, analytics is almost non-existent unless you've got some sort of um, back door into the place and all the rest of it. So just just top two or three things that you would say to people who are thinking about, you know, I really am passionate about whatever topic it is, and I think I could get a group going here. What What would you say to them to do? And then we'll get on to success factors. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is I think a lot of people discount LinkedIn for those very reasons. So, I mean, when I compare the engagement, um, the, the higher level people and organizations that I see on LinkedIn versus mm-hmm. like the SAP community network, I mean, it's night and day in a positive way for LinkedIn. So you have a lot better chance of having content be, be seen on LinkedIn by, by by people who are making purchase purchasing decisions than you do on any other SAP property that I've seen. So okay. it is the place to be. I mean, we even see some examples, uh, good and bad, but, you know, Vijay's post about uh, becoming an American citizen, um, I think it had something like 8,000 likes. And I mean, so the engagement is out there uh, the, and, and the back and forth is out there as well, uh, where you know, there's lots of issues with LinkedIn as far as being able to, you know, see data and, and, and find data out there. But, but when people are, people are pretty open to putting comments and having some threads going. And, and there's some good and bad in that. But um, I find it's a good place to advance the discussion as well on many topics.
0: Okay. But the thing is, is that if you're, if you're an organizer, as you are of a particular LinkedIn group, the most important thing, I guess, is you just got to stick with it. You've got to put the time in and you've got to engage yourself, okay. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just like anything. I mean, so many groups out there just let any content come in. So if I was if I wasn't going out daily and deleting content, we'd be seeing, you know, postings to set up an SAP server and job postings and and a lot of in the good content gets lost in the noise, but but John it's like anything. It's I mean John, sorry Dennis. It's like like when we first joined Twitter, I still remember I had like two followers and I thought this is stupid. Like I'm pretty much talking to myself and then Slowly, if you do it the right way, and that's that's the key. I find is a lot of people don't have the um, staying power to do the day to day. And I mean, these groups have grown two or three people a day. My LinkedIn, my Twitter followers, for example, have grown, you know, ten a week for the last ten years. And so, what I find is I find a lot of people want to come, sort of the drive by, fly by night, and come in, and they realize, wait, this is some hard work, or this, why don't, why, why aren't people reaching out to me right away? And to do that takes time. And I think also it takes, you build your credibility over time. You know, one of the quotes that I like, and we'll probably get back to this in our discussion about the wild west is, is Bill McDermott's quote about trust, you know, how trust is gained in drops and it's lost in buckets. And I think that the people that I've been able to meet on Twitter and LinkedIn and, and, and come up with, have relationships with, and some of some of them I've never met, or some of them even like yourself. When we met for the first time, I sort of felt like like I know Dennis. Like I, I know that he likes to cook, and I know that he's moved from various places. And, but you also had the work credibility as well, because I saw how you were passionate about certain issues and, and willing to stand up for, for points that you believed in. And also, I kept, I kept sort of a mental note of your track record. Is this guy, when he says something, let's look back a year later, And is he right? Is he wrong? And I want to try to associate with myself more with, with people who I think have a track record of doing the right things for customers. And they're right more often than they're wrong. And when they're wrong, they have enough, um, they have enough confidence in that they've been right enough times that they're willing to say, Hey, I made a mistake on this one, because that happens. You know, we're all learning. We're all trying to get better every day.
0: Yeah. I think it's the learning thing. I mean, you know, speaking for myself and, at the risk of sounding, uh, as though I'm making an ad for what we do, you know, I remember when we kicked off with Gegenarmer. I, I mean, that was that was absolutely a, a piece of good fortune in the sense that Michelle um, Sika, who was CTO at the time at SAP, was four square behind it, supported it. That got us off the ground, kind of thing. But even then, I, you know, when I reached out to the community, I think there were maybe I don't know thirty or forty people that I knew that said, "Hey, very, you know, great idea." Let's see how it rocks rock and rolls now fast forward six and a bit years and last week we did a special on um you know what's been happening with s a p the last six months, and you know we don't need to go there particularly people can read about it, but that's gone from i don't know forty fifty people to like nine hundred <laughs> who are right. clearly invested in 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 what's going on with with that company so you know the, these things can happen um you know you have a very specific audience. I don't know what kind of audience we have in some senses at times it make, drives me crazy, but yeah. yeah, it's sticking with it. Um, and, and the thing about, you know, when, when you screw up, say screw up, that's one of the reasons why I've got a business called sucks less daily. You know, it's cause I get up in the <laughs> look in the mirror and say, like, how am I going to suck less today? Anyway. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, and, and I think that a couple of things jump out is one is there's a lot of noise with customers. They're constantly being bombarded with 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 information, and a lot of it's marketing information. So I think that it, it, it's 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 easier to stand out once 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 they realize that you're giving them something that's actually in their best interest and, and and they realize that you're someone that they can I would say trust is going to be honest, then I think that they gravitate more towards your content and you have more of a voice out there. And the other thing, I always tell SAP, um, and I'll repeat it again on this call, and because I've had a various relationship over the years. Sometimes I'm in the, I'm probably never in the good book, so to speak. But sometimes they're they're more open to engaging with me and and telling me the good the good stuff and letting me tell them the bad stuff. And uh, and uh, and sometimes they're not. But I always tell them if I say anything ever that is factually incorrect, you let me know, and I will immediately say that. And I will tell you that over the last two years, um, anyone that's been seeing some of the stuff I've been talking about—the Wild West and the out-of-control partner ecosystem and problem projects—SAP and SuccessFactors, not one time, has come back and said anything was factually incorrect. So I'll leave it at I'll leave it at that. I get that they don't want the dirty laundry aired at certain cases, but at the end of the day, I have to tell myself, and I don't think enough consultants tell themselves this: is I work for the customers customers pay my bills. And I totally get that if you work for a big consulting firm, it's a little more challenging, uh, maybe unless you're at the partner level and even there to actually do some of the things I do, uh, just due to the, some of the financial dynamics in play. But I'm, I'm interested in telling customers what they can really accept, really expect, level set expectations. And, and, and I'm there day in and day out with customers, um, You know, seeing some of the challenges they have firsthand. And I just don't see as many people out there that call themselves consultants or thought leaders, or I guess on LinkedIn, you'll see ninjas and, you know, futurists and everything else, uh, none of which I am, but, uh, you know, the people, they, 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 they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk.
0: Yeah. And, and I think here that, um, you, uh, I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. You know, if, if, if you get your facts wrong, fine, let's get it sorted out. Let's correct it acknowledge our mistake and move on. But the one thing I always say to anybody, and you know, whether this is a, um, whether this is a partner, whether this is a vendor, whether I don't care who it is. Right. Never ever come at me bitching and moaning about my opinions because they're opinions and i say so. Right. Right. And, and we're all entitled to them and everybody's got them. They're a little bit like assholes. We've all got them. Right. Um, and but they're a reflection of what we kind of see i guess is, is is what it comes down to. so in that sense, you know your opinion at the moment is that the world of at least of success factors and maybe broader in, from an h r. tech perspective yeah. is pretty much like the wild West out there. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: would say that it's very interesting that that theme has sort of been uh, picked up a little bit. And I'm not sure where I got it from. But I actually had a conversation about a, maybe a two weeks ago with Michael Doan, who is sort of well known author of the Red Book. And he said, Jared, I had that Wild West theme in my book like 20 years ago. So it appears that I owe him some type of royalty on this. But I think it, it it there you know I, I said it in passing in an article but the more I started to think about it there really is some 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 things that line up with the Wild West with what I see out there um, and it's I think it's it's more prevalent in, in the sap and success factors world than it is with some other vendors mm-hmm. and I don't think it's an HR tech thing I think that there's elements of this throughout just software implementations in general but I think I work in the SAP business. I do see it worse in the SAP business in talking with colleagues from other places. Um, one thing I get a lot from SAP is like, you know, or or people in the industry they'd be like, well, Workday has this problem. And I say to them, well, I we work in the SAP business. We work with SAP customers. So it's like saying, you know, your son comes back and says, you know, I got a C in this class and you say that's not acceptable and they said, well, Joey got a F. And I'm like Joey, Joey's not my son. Joey's not my daughter, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I see a lot of that, and I also get a lot of, well, what do you really know about that? And I will say that I have friends that are partners at almost every big SI that run non SAP practices. So I have friends that have left SAP and and work for Workday, work for Oracle. I know more about some of the some of the good and bad of those companies uh, than than many would think. But I really want to use what other companies are doing good to push sap to do better and um, a lot of people don't know about me is before i got into the software business i worked in the grocery business so from when i was 16 till i was 28 i worked in the grocery store and one of the things we did in the grocery store was we were always going to other stores and competitors and we were looking to see what they did well so that we could mimic it so if you see another company doing something well you want to be doing that, and, and those are some of the things where I, I point out a lot of issues for SAP over the years, and very few of them have gotten any type of traction. Um, I've gotten a lot of lip service that oh, we know that's a problem, we're going to fix that, and and where I see them struggle is the follow through. And you and I could come up with a list of, you know, certification, <laughs> indirect licensing training you know fixing support i mean the list just goes you know fixing the partner ecosystem it goes on and on about we're going to have that fixed but yet you're still talking about it two years five years ten years later which means it was never really fixed
0: okay so let, let's just let's just sort of focus in on on one or two things here um sap look, let's be clear sap is always going to be a target why because by its own um, marketing, it's the largest independent enterprise software company in the world, right?
1: Yeah, 107% of the world runs
0: on SAP, right? 107% is it now? Okay, cool. <laughs> we, we
1: it's booked. a game changer, it's a game changer, Dennis. we got game ah, okay. changers everywhere.
0: Okay, does that, does that mean that they've, they've ridden on Elon's rocket somewhere? <laughs> they've got a booking on, they've got a, a booking on Branson's rocket to Mars <laughs> or something or other? Okay. okay. So for
1: the fact checkers who are checking this, I think the last I saw was 78% of the world, uh, world runs on SAP or some number as such. And I get that these numbers are very variable. I've asked a few times actually, Hey, where's the detail behind that? And obviously it's just like when I ask about customer success, the, you know, some metrics it's crickets always, but um, you're right. SAP is the largest application software vendor out there. Um, you know, with with a a really long legacy and, you know, and and a a complex product line. And and so, yes, definitely. I mean, they're, I would say, are they an easy target? Again, we, I work in the SAP business, so that's what I care about.
0: (laughs) I think they are an easy target, quite frankly, for a variety of reasons. I mean, the first thing is that because they're the largest in their field, then you know you can go pretty much into most industries, and you're going to find SAP there somewhere or other, right? That's the first thing. Right. The second thing is is that they've been wildly successful. I mean, let's you know, current issues around activists and all the rest of it aside, you know, I cannot and will not ever take away from uh, from the company that it has been incredibly successful over an extended period of time. What are we? We're running in now on 50 years of that company. So, you know, th- those things cannot be taken away from the- from them and I would never, ever do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the fact, wow. that, the fact that Hasso Platner, one of the co-founders, is still noodling around, still making waves, still being a bloody nuisance from time to time, still coming up with ideas. Yeah. I think, you know, very much in the same way that Larry Ellison at Oracle does, you know, these things speak volumes yeah. about the longevity and the seriousness of that particular company. So, you know, I, and I think we have to say that, right? You know, the no, second I, thing, the second well, thing would, do, sorry, go on. I was, I was, was gonna, gonna say,
1: I, I totally, I, I, I totally believe that as well. I mean, the success that they've had is is, is extremely impressive. And I know when I joined in 1998, I had, I real I thought I was getting in late on, in the SAP world uh, and it turned out the area I was specializing in only had a couple implementations in the US, but in my little world and limited knowledge at that time, I was just hoping, I thought, well, I think this is probably be a good job for me until Y2K. So <laughs> I thought I was going to be doing this for 18 months. So I would take that as a preference. Uh, anyone who's listening to this and here's some of my predictions for the future, I thought that I was going to be in the SAP business for 18 months and here I am 21 years later. And. Uh, really, I mean, at the end of the day, the staying power of SAP, some of the things that they've done, some of the acquisitions they've made. I mean, we we definitely can't take that away from them. They're still they're still a force in the marketplace. I mean, we're going to talk a bit today about how they can do better and some trends that I see that are concerning, and have been concerning for a while. But but overall, you're you're exactly right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember when Jim Schnabber, um sat down with a bunch of us in Boston. Um, it must be ten years ago now, at least ten years ago, I guess, when they when they bought Success Factors, and I mean he was he was like a kid in a candy store. He he thought he'd won the lottery when he picked up Success Factors, and at the time, I have to say, at the time, I said to him, "Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? This is, this is a talent management solution that's crappy for God's sake, man." I said, "You know Lars Dahlgaard has done a fantastic job selling." from one Dane to another for a ton of money. <laughs> and anyway, he said, oh, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. I said, like, yeah, all right, fair enough then, Jim. And Well, it turns out that it hasn't been so bad, right? I mean, it, there are plenty of things that we can say about this, and maybe we ought to get into that. Um, but, you know, I was completely wrong about that. They have, they have made a success of success factors up, up to a point, I guess. So yeah
1: yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's definitely no doubt about that. I mean, they needed their entry way into the cloud. I mean, I think that o- over the years their ability to build quickly has diminished. And so the fact of them building and really at that point in time, you know, this is 2012, really understanding the cloud and the architecture to the level that it probably needed to be to 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 have that offering, it was probably better to buy then to build because they I think they realized there were some competitive forces out there. I don't think anyone at 2012, other than maybe yourself, uh, realized what a potential sleeping giant workday would be. I still remember, it wasn't our last podcast, but I do remember you and I talking about that because you were one of the first that, that said, when I can see them hitting like a billion dollar run rate, and that was like before it happened. And I remember saying like, I wrote an article, I think, in 2013, that I said I think work is a real threat to SAP. And I don't know if you remember, but there was like hundreds of comments that was back when SAP community existed um, in a in a real form, um, saying you know I was pretty much didn't know what I was talking about, and uh, and you know and now we see where, where where that where that has
0: went. So okay, look, Jared, I think you know there is one thing that I want to say here, and that is is, is that one thing that definitely worries me about the SAP community. And that is that very often and time and time again, it seems very insular, right? It looks in on itself. you, you, You focus on that community, which is fine. But at the same time, you've had the good sense to understand that it sits inside a competitive environment and that threats could come from, they could come from anywhere, right? That nobody ultimately is immune. But I just wonder at times whether the the vast majority of people who sit in and around the SAP community are so enamored of, of, of what the company does, are so enamored of the earning potential from their perspective that they forget that there are other things out there, that there are things from which they could learn. Do you think there's a degree of truth in that?
1: Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think that there are people that are, are smart enough to look outside, but I, I think a lot of them are so focused in the day to day and they see the revenue opportunity out in front of them. They have inherent interests that they, that they I, I call it drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And um, you know, and, and one of the things I think that, that, that I made a pledge to do, is, and really, I'll be honest, some of the social media, the Twitter, the LinkedIn groups actually sort of forced me to do this in a good way is it forces me to stay current. So one thing I yeah. do is every morning I get up six o'clock, six 30 in the morning, I spend the first hour and a half going through, you know, 200 RSS feeds and it covers more than just our industry. And I'm, I have interest in sports and investment and food and other stuff, but to make me to do the self-learning and as part yeah. of that self-learning, you start to realize like you have to step outside of this world and you have to say, what are other customer, What are other competitors of SAP are doing that is good in the fact of, hey, I make my bread and butter in the SAP and success factors world. So if I see someone else doing good and they're winning work, I want to see SAP and success factors um, be competitive to that threat and do the things that is going to enable them to keep their customers. And one of the things we may talk about it later is that Workday has made crazy successful inroads to fortune 500 companies in north america i mean the roster of north of big companies that they have signed up that are longtime sap customers longtime sap hcm customers some of them are even hybrid success factors customers is beyond any anything anyone in our realm uh, you know in our 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 uh, in the success factors world would have believed could ever happen
0: well, there are a bunch of factors around that, and I'll, I'll just—I'll I'll just maybe add to your existing knowledge on that. Um, it's important to remember that Dave Duffield established an, an incredible reputation personally during his time at Peoplesoft, right? Right. And and they made inroads into a variety of industries um, and were extraordinarily successful, despite the fact that Peoplesoft, at the end of the day, was. It was an okay product, but it had huge limitations all over the place, right? That's that's issue number that's thing number one. Thing number two is, is that and maybe not so many people understand this, is that um, Duffield and Anil Bushry have maintained very close relationships with higher education establishments throughout the, the, the US, especially at places like Brown and those kind of places. And so they were able to relatively easily move into markets that might have been more difficult for others that's the second thing the third thing is dave duffield's email address right i don't know if anybody's aware of this but dave duffield's email address is dad at workday.com now you won't get a reply from it right because he's got gatekeepers but that was his that was also his his email address at peoplesoft right why? Because those are the initials of his damn name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's sketchy as well.
0: Yeah. But, but you know, people like that kind of stuff in the same way as, you know, regardless of whether you think, um, um, oh, what's it called? Salesforce is great software or not. People love Benioff. Why? Because he appeals to them. He appeals to the individual and Duffield does exactly the same. And he is absolutely committed to, the individual. That's the thing that that keeps him going. And he's passed that on to Bushri and Bushery has continued with that sort of idea that people are at the center of everything. That's what I got to focus on first and foremost, the technology will take care of itself. And yeah, we have to make a play there, but it's always about the people. And I think those factors, when you take them together and when you see what they deliver and when you see how those things actually mesh into something coherent, that's when you have a believable um, marketing story which isn't that hard to, to sell quite frankly at the but, end of the, and and that's what i saw anyway
1: but don't Go. you believe that don't you believe that on the surface that sap i mean bill McDermott put his email address out there at some of the conferences i've been at i mean some of the talk is very similar i mean i i know some areas where i believe there's some disconnect but i mean from a from a surface of the highest level do you not see that that exact same thing
0: happen with sap No. And the reason for that is because of the disconnects, okay? You know, I mean, McDermott has talked for some years now about empathy for the customer and the importance of the individual and so on and so forth. Well, if that's the case, what the hell is indirect access about, right? Uh, If that's the case, how do they manage to do a layoff that in the process manages to tip over the side some of the very, very best SAP developers anywhere on the planet how, do, how does that work, right? How is it that you know there are constant complaints about what Brian Summer calls wallet fracking? Why is it that there is so much resistance to moving to S4? If SAP at the highest level is truly empathetic about its customers, then surely there would not be those disconnects.
1: Right, and that's, a, I mean, we'll get back into, I, I have a, I have another area that I think is a real big disconnect, but one of the things is this is a challenge that I see SAP going forward with the customer experience, because there's countless examples of where they're not understanding their own customers, but yet they're out now saying this is a brand new category. And hey, trust us, we're we're going to redefine this category. And I don't know if they have that trust out there with the right people on this one. But I also really think that they don't understand their customer uh, the way that they believe. And let me give you just a, a quick example on that is The last major Gartner report that came out, and we can all dispute, you know, Gartner, you know, all their, you know, things behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, Gartner actually asked each of the major vendors, Workday, Oracle, and SAP, SuccessFactors, for their large enterprise and and mid-sized enterprises, give me your customer references, we're going to call them. And Mm -hmm. each year, as SuccessFactors has fallen further and further down the chain behind Oracle and Workday. And the reason being, if you look in the the cons, is they were the the poorest performers when it came to calling their survey, their customers that they were surveying. These are customers that SuccessFactors thinks are happy customers, and they're giving them their best and most happy customers, and they're being rated lower than the competitors. And so it's just gonna be, I think there's a real disconnect between when SAP sells the software you will hear anything you can imagine to get you to sign on the dotted line. Is that different than their competitors? Probably not. Where I see the issue, and maybe it is, I'm not, I'm not an expert in those areas. But you know, I've, I'm seeing more and more of a push to hit the quarterly numbers, and all, all public companies have that. I get that. But I'm talking in scenarios where it's not good for the long term benefit of the customer. Scenarios where they're selling them solutions that they know don't fit for that customer. Um, I get that there's a lot of pressures with, with with success factors. Sorry, SAP and success factors. There's been a lot of turnover, but I'm just seeing the the rush to sell and and get hit numbers is more important than delivering a successful customer to a successful outcome. And the wild west partner ecosystem is a big part of that, which we can talk about. But at the end of the day, I think one thing that you that you, we didn't mention is. I know people say that 98% customer satisfaction at workday is a made up number. Okay. Or, or you know, it's, it's a simple yes, no. Are you happy or not? I'll get that. But then people that complain about that, how come if, if it's so easy to achieve, how come SAP has not done that? How come success factors doesn't do the same survey? Also, customer references repeatedly. I've had instances where I've had large customers that have said, "Jarrett, can you find me a big pharma that's happy with, with success factors? And it takes months for me to find, go through, and I have lots of connections at Success Factors and SAP. It takes months sometimes to find a reference, referenceable customer that'll get on the call. Workday will have four or five on a call within, within a couple weeks. And obviously certain industries are different than others, but at the end of the day, customers, I keep coming back to it, customers help sell to other customers. Some Absolutely. industries follow suit. So if four big pharma companies are going to Workday, There's a good chance, and I think right now they have eight or nine of the big pharmas right now, they follow each other. Retail, you know, now we're seeing, you know, Walmart, Amazon, Target, you know, now we're seeing Disney and Comcast. Those are media companies. Even Accenture is implementing Workday. Companies like Apple, I mean, you're talking about some of these are public. I mean, some of these I've heard in passing. I know that it's happening, but it's not out there. But at the end of the day, these are the type of companies that move the needle for the next level down. And these are the ones that used to be SAP strongholds. And they still are strongholds. They're still in that 78% of the world runs on SAP. But we, we both know Workday gets in the door for HR. What are they looking at next? They're looking at their, a true public cloud finance offering. Now, what are they looking at? You know, Analytics. And, and they're slowly increasing their, their footprint inside of the organization. And I know SAP sees that. But I just don't that they're willing to do the heavy lifting to clean up their partner ecosystem in such a way or police it in such a way that ensures customers get what they were promised when they sign on the dotted line as far as we will transform your business or we will change your business or we will help you move to the cloud or we will deliver the ROI or deliver what we said we're going to deliver. That just doesn't happen end to end. Okay.
0: Okay. So here, here's something that maybe everybody ought to know. And that is, is that when it comes to cloud environments, um, what Workday understood and it learned this lesson from Salesforce is that you cannot go out onto an event and talk about futures that are going to be two, three, four years out, right? That was the traditional way that you sold software, right? You'd stand on stage, you'd, you'd um, uh, talk a vision You'd sense test it with the audience, see what the take-up was, and then you'd go develop it, right? And that's why it took three years. Um, is, it's really, it's not rocket science. That's what happened. Cloud, you can't do that. You just can't. You know, if, it, if it's in the cloud, it's got to be there. And so what, what Workday did was that it was very, very careful about how it metered the messaging and how it talked about what was coming down the, the pipe and how it talked about releases and so on and so forth. So that meant that customers could always anticipate something now or in the next three to six months. Yeah. Now that cadence has changed because it's turned out that very large companies of the kind that they want to attract can't consume the innovations that they're bringing as quickly as, 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 uh, as, as work they can deliver. So they've had to change that and that's fine. Sure. They have made one mistake and that re- relates to recruiting. I mean, you know, Bill Tin cup is always banging on about the fact that it's a pile <laughs> of crap. The fact of the matter is, is that, that it works with a, with a bunch of workarounds. But they, they announced that a long time ago, and they've struggled to deliver on that. And I think that in that sense, they made a mistake. But, hey, no company is immune. Well, they will make mistakes, and it will learn from them in the same way. SAP has not learned that lesson at all, in my view. It's not understood that you have to be able to say delivery is going to be this and it's going to be that. And it's like, you know, here's the classic. Um, what, what was it called? Leonardo, right? Leonardo, a bag of bits, a, a project, a vision, but it was never a product, right? Nobody ever really understood what it was. And now they've had to completely backtrack on that and figure out, you know, exactly what they're going to do. This, I see this as a problem for, right. especially for SAP, right now, you mentioned Accenture. Again, I don't think this is a very well-known fact, but Accenture has done its own internal um, otherwise termed digital transformation because it understood that the world of software delivery, the world of services was fundamentally changing and that its its delivery model, largely based on how it does SAP and Oracle implementations, was done. And it spent several years doing that. And they've told me, they said, trust me, this was painful. <laughs> This was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And this is the leading firm of consultants in the world. Imagine how hard it is for everybody else, yeah? But the fact of the matter is that they did it. And evidence of that comes from the fact that, you know, they are taking on solutions like Workday because they represent a modern approach to to handling HR administration. And they're not afraid of making that jump. And, you know, you're going to see this more and more. This is where I think, from a... um, from a straight cultural standpoint SAP's got to start learning these things pretty quick otherwise it's going to struggle in the long term I think it will struggle
1: yeah i mean a couple of things i do see them making a lot of mistakes that they made with success factors repeating those same mistakes with s4hana and i can i can tell tell you a little bit about that but one thing i did want to mention is that Everyone is smart enough to realize that some of these cloud-based solutions are, are you're, you're buying them so that you're going to get future innovation. You're hoping, you know, you can meet your basic business needs now, a majority of them and you're slowly getting, you want to be level, you want to be in a situation where you're going to be able to take on more changes as they come. So there's a lot of, there's a bit of a trust factor. And one of the things that uh, that I've had a real pet peeve with success factors on is there's something called uh, customer innovation. So it gives you an opportunity customer enhancement process. So if there's, a true, if there's a defect in the system, but they don't consider it a defect, they consider it an integration issue or something else, they say, hey, put in this customer enhancement request. And if you get enough votes, we will consider it. So the threshold is 10 customers voting on something. And again, these are not just nice to have, some of them are gaps in the functionality, like integration gaps, and it's a whole gamut of things. Delivery on these programs has always been horrendous in the on-premise days. But I, I said, you know what? It's going to be different in the cloud. Well, I can send you a report after this podcast, but someone did some analysis on it and realized that less than 1%, 1% of what customers are asking for in this enhancement process that has 10 votes is being delivered. And they look back over the last three years. At the same time, Workday has something called Brainstorm that delivered 550 enhancements out of their 1,100 last year were based off customer ideas. Now, people will say, Jarrett, why are you mentioning Workday? And I'll tell you why. It's because they are winning more deals in North America than any other large HR technology firm right uh, vendor right now. And they're winning a lot of SAP accounts, longtime SAP accounts. So I think success factors and SAP have to take a look and see what are they doing that's that's making a difference and, and how are they managing to close all these deals because all I get is, oh, they have this great buzz. Yeah, I get that they have a buzz and maybe not as much, you know, um, public other than like obviously William Tincup, but as many people complaining about things. But at the end of the day, customers are talking to other customers and they're feeling that it's a safe choice in the fact of, if I agree to go with them, I'm going to get my implementation done on, on a rough time frame that, that they tell me. And I may be missing a bunch of functionality. We never hear about that part of it. But I'm going to get live. And if you think if you're in a line of business or you're a CIO, ultimately, you wanna, you're putting your name on the line. You want to make sure that you have a successful outcome that you get that project live. Now, I will say that Workday is starting to encounter some trouble in the public sector space, which is notorious for having challenging, longer, drawn-out projects, uh, and, and 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 obviously, there's there's lots of issues about public sector projects that we across all vendors. But I, I am starting to notice that a bit of a trend as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny you should say. What was it? Five fifty out of eleven hundred. That's roughly fifty percent. I can remember dinging them a few years ago because. Uh, they only put 30% or 33% of of customer requests into, into product
1: <laughs> what would you say what would you say a third of a percent a third of 1% how good would you consider that and that's what success factors is
0: right now that's a rounding error <laughs> that is a rounding error yeah that's not even petty cash yes. That doesn't even hit the petty cash number right that doesn't that doesn't even <laughs> trigger the that doesn't even trigger the surprise petty cash count <laughs>
1: So it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if behind the scenes, the investment has really slowed down for success factors due to competitive pressures and also due to, you know, the shiny new ball, which is Qualtrics. And we're already, you know, we're jumping all over the place, but we're already hearing stories of Qualtrics and success factors are integrated and ready to go. That's not the truth. Like, like these integrate, integrating this software. Who told you that? Who said that? I, I've seen some articles that, that I've seen some information out there that, that the integration is there and there's, I mean, I have to go back and take a look, but I've already started to see the trend that, that those are integrated. And we will hear some more about that at success connect, um, in a couple of weeks regarding that. So they're already the first use cases of Qualtrics is with success factors. Okay. And I mean, it's no different than when Lars bought Plateau, which is the learning software, 30 days later, he said, fully integrated. And I mean, these things take years to integrate. And I'll tell you something, there are some areas of success factors where products, vendors that, that Lars bought, that still aren't integrated end to end with the system. Like recruiting isn't fully integrated with Employee Central, which is the core HR system. And that isn't integrated with Employee Central payroll, which is a single tenant hosted cloud solution based off SAP payroll. So we're talking about technologies that were five, six, seven years old, still don't work like they should end to end. Now you get on a stage. And this is an example of what I'm seeing over and over again is you talked about this. I think customers are realistic of the fact if you tell them, Hey, in the next year, we're going to have this done, but that doesn't move the needle on people buying right now. And I think that's, that's the pressure that I think I'm seeing from I'm seeing a different SAP as far as everything is a game changer. Everything is, you know, you you, you need to buy it right away. It's it's ready to go, you know. And and I'm seeing a lot more of that than I remember in the past. Or or potentially, I'm you know getting older. Maybe I'm getting a little more jaded. I don't know. So,
0: um, yeah. Uh, Look, let's let's move on because I mean, we could we could exhaust ourselves on this one. Quite frankly. Um, I mean, the minute the minute you you used the G word, it was like, oh no, please let's not have that one coming. <laughs> oh no, everything's a game changer. Yeah, right, my toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, but hey, look. As as it relates to the difficulties that that are out there in the field, okay. First of all, we know that there's plenty of demand for good success factors consultants. Correct. We know that, that's true, right?
1: Uh, to a certain degree, because it's hard to determine, there's no way to differentiate yourself as to what is good. So there is 11,000 consultants I put that in hyphens, very similar to the 100,000 S4 Hana consultants we just heard about in that Gartner survey um, yeah, who have passed cool. an 80-question multiple-choice test. Mm. Some of them have been passed that test for 10 different areas. So they have 10 certifications. They've, they've answered 800 questions and now they're a so-called expert in 10 different areas where in some cases they have no business experience and so, or technical experience and real life implementations. And so I, I would say that one of the things I find is that there's too many partners in our ecosystem for the amount of work that there is, especially given that the largest SIs either bring, sell the work themselves or they get pushed to work by success factors. The lower the mid-level and lower tiers, which, it, which often you'll find the real um, the real stronger, knowledgeable consultants who have started smaller firms, they're struggling out there right now just because there's not as enough there's there's too much uh, supply out in the marketplace of consulting services for the number of the demand that are, are there right now, at least in North America.
0: Okay. Um, this comes back to the question of of what the certification mean and you know we have plenty of references around that you know about the whole certification five thing that was done many years ago sure you know looking back on that i could republish that right now and it would be as current today as it was all those years ago um i'm pretty sure about that now what we hear anecdotally is that one of the reasons that sap has not been able to get a grip of this is because of uh, of account control by the big SI's. okay well if that's the case then how is it that new entrants and we talk about workday but there are a lot of new entrants have been able to come into the space and still attract the attention of of si's right and get a good rate of implementation success what is it about what they do well i can tell you that when it relates to workday historically at least they have and they have worked very, very hard to ensure that they know how well those implementations are going. And where an implementation is failing, they will have no hesitation to step in and, if necessary, encourage the client to kick the SI off, right? I've never heard SAP do that, ever. Have you?
1: Never. And that's that's a great there, – there's, there's two things about that, and that's really at the core of what I call policing is – it seems like the relationship, I mean, of course, they would say this differently, but it, it appears from from a real practical standpoint, the relationship ends a lot of times when the software is sold. And you imagine if the sales reps didn't get commissioned until the project went live, that's going to be a totally different animal. And maybe there is some of that behind the scenes that I'm not aware of. But once it gets handed over to an SI, I find a lot of times that success factors raises their hands. And so does SAP just in general on other projects and says, well, you're, the SI is doing that as opposed to... This SI represents our business. If they're failing, we're failing. Um, I've seen scenarios, I saw one this week where they were asking a customer $40,000 to do a health check to see if their system, their Employee Central, which is just one small piece of success factors, was set up correctly. That's a service that my understanding at Workday offers as part of their offering because they're doing that QA with, with experienced resources. Um, they want to make sure these projects get over the finish line. with with a happy customer or a customer that's going to check yes on, you know, are you happy or would you buy workday again or whatever their one question survey is. So to me, that's a gap that SAP has. And there's two reasons I think that they struggle with this. First of all, they're trying to sign up every new partner they can imagine. They see partners as an extension of their sales. Number one. Number two, I talked to someone and I said, have you ever gotten rid of a success factors partner? And this might even apply for SAP for poor performance on an implementation. And they said, oh, they said, yes. And I said, well, provide me an example of that. Cause we know that Workday did that with Wipro back five, six years yeah. ago. And yeah. they said, they said, well, we couldn't, you know, we don't have that information or we couldn't find one. So first of all, you can do a bad implementation for SAP and not be penalized in any public way. There's no threat of losing your, your, your partnership. in in some cases, you could still win a pinnacle award that year if you sold enough. That's another little rant that I that I w- don't want to go on. But, you know, several major lawsuits, several years, those those people who did those have won pinnacle awards for the best implementer. Like, how does that jive, you know? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, the other thing is the partners, the bigger SIs have a level of back and forth with SAP that I, I think that's, that's probably not good for SAP. And the fact of, Hey, we want you to have 10 professionally certified people. No, nope, we're not doing that. Oh, oh, okay. And now the big, when the big players don't embrace these programs, or here's even another example, Dennis, is there's all these materials out there to help do success factors implementations quicker, mm-hmm. better, best practices. And I, we, could, we could argue about our best practices, really best practices, but there's tools to help customers implement quicker. Do you think the big SIs want those tools? They have their own tools. And their own tools are, 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 you know, it's back to Brian Sumner talking about the wallet fracking and talking about, they, I think that these customers, a lot of times SIs see their SAP customers as more of a, a cash cow in the fact that they will linger on with engagements. Uh, engagements go longer, the customer will, you know, and a lot of times they try to make it so the customer is the one that says, oh, we're not ready to go live. But a lot of times when they sign the initial deal, they, re- they know at that point, the consulting firm knows, there's no way we're hitting that schedule. But we okay. needed to say that date to win this work. And where does SAP come back in? Where is their oversight? Where, where, what are they really doing to stop this problem? And, and to top it off, you know, I, I saw stuff just this week. They're out there saying, hey partners, we have a $200 billion partner economy coming up for you. Or, or what about this? Partner first all these articles on LinkedIn and on their network are talking about partner first. I mean, to me, is that not ludicrous that we're not talking about customer first in all scenarios?
0: So, so Jared as you, as you're going through this, there's a, there's a huge question coming in my mind. Do you genuinely believe and because you've been around since 98, so you've seen all sorts of business models being operated by SAP and by the SIs. Do you, genuinely believe that SAP understands the cloud business model in general terms, because from what I'm hearing, it just sounds like a repeat of the past. I mean, Brian Summer this week talked about vendor lock-in, right? And, you know, as I'm reading through it, it's like, you know what? This sounds like good old ERP, 1998, all over again. And does SAP, does, has SAP learned the lesson? I don't know. You tell me.
1: Yeah, let me, let me just throw a couple things out there. So one is, I was on an S4 HANA project a couple years back. It was very, very large, but it had 100 Accenture consultants on it. Lasted three years. Does that sound like a, now it was a private, hosted implementation? But again, you would ask yourself, three years ago, we went you know SAP went to the market with an on-premise S4, a private cloud S4, and, and now we're slowly starting to hear about the public cloud S4. So does that tell you a company that's all in for the cloud that, that's willing to have three different versions and most of your reference big reference customers are on your single tenant hosted you know I mean on your uh, private or private hosted cloud or on premise or what it's about called, the it's called
0: of, a bloody data center
1: <laughs> that's what it's, yeah right what about, but but even Dennis what about the fact that they that they followed the same model on on how to how to certify experts. Um, how about, you know, the, the mistakes of the past have been seen as, as good business going forward, um, and, and throughout, I think throughout SAP and the partners don't mind that at all because they want to see these large, these large projects. They, they don't want to have streamlined projects. I mean, they're expecting to make a lot of money in their SAP practice and SAP is not doing anything to curtail that. So to me on the, on the cloud, on the cloud side of services, I don't think they, they, they totally get it. Um, We see a data point that you'll you'll see loud and clear that I've said a few times. I'm not an S4 HANA expert, but we keep seeing 12,000 sold. And then we were seeing numbers like, you know, it varies between what people say, something between 2,500 and 3,300 live. But SAP started to realize that's making us look bad. So now they, what do they do? Just stop releasing that information. And then I got on some calls with some folks and they said, oh, Jared, it's not as bad as you think we have 6,000 projects, you know, we have, we have like 3,000 projects ongoing. And then I'm like, well, where are the other 6,000? Is that shelfware? we don't wanna talk about that. Okay, so that's one topic off the board. But the other is success factors had a real problem with Employee Central for a while about what was sold versus what was live. And that percentage from what I understand with people in the industry should be about, obviously it's never gonna be 100% because you're constantly selling. But if you're getting implementations out the door in a reasonable time frame. You should be at about a 65 to 70% sold versus live because keep in mind, customers are paying for the software as soon as you sign the contract. So there's an inherent interest to get live as well. And that number for, for employee central was 50% for a long period of time until they put a lot of things in place and they got that estimate. They got that number up. I'm seeing the repeat of this for S4HANA because why, you know, how many big customers are live with Hannah? You talk all the time about you have a hard time finding customers to do case studies on. So, you know, if there was 3,300 happy customers out there, you should be able to do hundred case studies right away. So the question I would ask in that industry is, are they repeating the same mistakes over? And where this becomes pretty important is if we trust their numbers, they have 40,000 customers running ERP and we've got 3000 live how are they going to stick with that 2025 date? There's no way they can ramp up implementations to get even 15,000 customers live. So there's, I mean, I've been on record saying I believe they're going to extend that date out, but this all sort of, it, it all ties in. It's like a Seinfeld episode. It all sort of ties in together that the combination of the wild West ecosystem is causing slower projects. It's causing less referenceable customers, which is impacting new sales which is, you know, and now we're just sort of going in a a circle. And I just don't see anything changing because I see a mentality of let's sell more S4 Hana this quarter. Let's sell more success factors. We got to get hit our numbers this quarter. And again, public company, I totally get that, but the best salesman at the end of the day is a happy customer.
0: Jared, we've been talking for 50, 55 minutes. And, um, I think, I think we we pretty much nailed it. But in summary, if SAP was to choose to listen to either you or me, probably you more than me, what are the top three things that you think have got to be imperatives for the next 12 months? Let's Let's just say the next 12 months. Top three things that they've absolutely got to nail or we're just going to be back here saying the same shit this time next year?
1: I would say number one would be to... Put more controls in place on all their implementations. Number two, I would say, partners that aren't meeting that expectations have have a chance to rectify the situation on their next project. And if not, SAP starts taking away partnerships to send a message. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. You know, doesn't have to be the biggest one. But I think they have to send a message that they're serious about customer success, not just saying customer success. They're truly. Um, care about customers being successful and they're willing to, willing to, you know, to do the things it takes to get there. Um, The third one it keeps coming back to is, you know, I think that they have to fix their certification program or mandate more stuff at the partner level on resources that are being used because, you know, I'm learning, I've been doing this 21 years. I'm still learning stuff every day. But if you tell me that I have to spend $2,000, And I mean, if I could spend $2,000 and get um, and pass an 80 question test, and now all of a sudden, I'm the lead on a fortune 500 company uh, doing their implementation, we know that's a recipe for disaster. So that is the barrier of entry right now, Dennis. And I get some people reach out to me sometime and oh, I want to break into success factors, you know, I don't have $2,000. And I'm like, Are you kidding? I mean, I get that that financial side of that. But I'm saying, I said, Well, you know, sometimes I say, Well, why don't you try to become a doctor? They're like, Oh no, you need training and experience for that. And I come back and say, Hey, in order to be a good consultant, you need that stuff as well. So until they, until they stop seeing some of this, all these items as a cash cow, and they're truly invested in customer success, like they say, and they truly understand their customer, like they're talking about selling customer experience software I think some of these issues will continue to persist. And I've mentioned a lot of these to senior leadership before, Dennis, and I've gotten, give us six months. And then I go back and I come back six months later and nothing has changed. So I'm not optimistic right now. I, I hope someone, um, I hope they proved me wrong. I mean, it's, it would be great for me. If, it'd be great for me. It'd be great for our industry. It'd be great for customers if, if everything I'm saying right now is sticks a year from now. And great for wow. SAP. And great for wow. SAP. I think they'll sell more software.
0: Well, I, I, you know, the, the, the logic of that is is clear and obvious, uh, at least to me it is. Um, but unfortunately, this is not always the way things work out, as we both know. <laughs> it's just not the way things work. Anyway, listen, Jarrett, thanks ever so much for that. Um, we could carry on for hours and hours, I'm sure, on this topic. But I think we've given enough people... And, you know, at least 15,000 out of your 41,000 more things to think about, eh? <laughs> yeah, we'll lose people in the first uh, five minutes of this. So
1: uh, <laughs> you, you stay to the end. You stay to the end. Thank you so much uh, to hear, hearing two people rant about uh, about SAT.
0: But uh, no, I really appreciate you having me, Dennis. Okay, then, Garrett. Thanks very much indeed, pal. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll call it a draw for this time round. It's been uh, entertaining as always. But I hope you found it informative. Till the next time.